To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not just their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. To the Chiss Ascendancy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to... The Chiss Ascendancy. Episode 51. 51, boy. Today, we're discussing the High Republic. Yeah, the High Republic and the introduction of the new era. Yes, and so um, I know in the past we've done kind of a uh a review or i guess a preview would be the correct term of when things were finally opened up and they told us that project luminous was the high republic uh that's a long long time ago we talked about that but we're talking about the launch of the high republic (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) if i do like this (laughs) jar jar's head is on your shoulders Okay, um, but we're talking about the launch and um, the High Republic novelization called The Light of the Jedi by a Mr. Charles Sewell is out. And um, Charles Sewell has been a great Star Wars author for a number of years now uh, on the comic book side of things. And um, we're only just a few little chapters in. I'm about three or four chapters in. Same as like 13 in. Um, but... Um, his writing chops are as good as his comic chops. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's one of the most enjoyable books up front that I've read here in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there, were, I think the first two chapters were kind of set up, and then the rest you're kind of into the plot and figuring out where the story is going to be going. Um, I just think it, it feels the most like Legends that I've gotten under the new canon. Mm-hmm. So, so far, um, Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule is out. And also, thank you. A Test of Courage by one Justina Ireland is out. And uh, also February 2nd, Into the Dark, a young adult novel by Claudia Gray comes out. Mm. Very excited about that. And then there is going to be a secondary line of comic books um, called High Republic Adventures. Um, and I think that those are kind of like for younger younger folks, uh, written by Daniel Jose Older. He's the guy that has written, uh, I think he wrote the Dubak story from from a certain point of view, A New Hope. And he also wrote uh, Last Shot, the Hando, the Hando, the Lando and Han novel from a couple of years ago. Uh, and that one's The Hast Lot. The Hast Lot. Um, some people didn't like that. I really liked it. And I thought that the bad guy from that book was very, it was a cool idea because it's Star Wars. There's been so many stories. I think that's what's compelling the the thing that's most promising, and you probably know more about this than me, because you're further into the book. But the thing that's the most promising is um, a new villain, a new kind of danger, a new kind of problem uh, that isn't something we've dealt with before. And so, I'm like I said, I'm only three chapters in, and so things are just getting started with me. Uh, but the thing that I'm most interested in, and I guess most nervous about, is if the Nile can pull off that here's a new villain that we haven't come up with before status so we'll see how are without being spoilery obviously because the book just came out and everything is just launched um how has it been so far as far as the villains Uh, so far in as far as i've gotten into the book it seems to be more like the jedi versus a catastrophe than the jedi's versus a villain Mm. um i haven't really seen very many villainy things i mean there's been some price gouging and uh <laughs> maybe like some stinginess on yeah. on the part of the richer beings mm-hmm. of the galaxy but i haven't seen really anything that instigated the situation um there's whatever sets off the initial problem for everybody that's in the heads all system which is where the whole front of the book is taking place so far um but it, I don't know, I haven't really seen any villainous activity. What's most exciting for me is the way that they're treating the Jedi. Right. And I know that we saw that little, I don't know, not an interview, but that post by Mark Thompson where he's talking about how excited he is yeah. to read this particular book 
for what it's doing for the Jedi. Um, and I, I understand what he means now that I'm a little bit into it because it's kind of putting them kind of back where the Jedi, I think, were in a lot of people's minds when you're watching four through six and they're the hope of the galaxy. And um, that's kind of embodied by Luke, right? But it's also the fact that, I don't know, they're just kind of the heroes that everybody envisioned them to be before you kind of see them all fall apart in right. episodes one through three. Yeah, he his caption from... Um three days ago when all this landed uh, is that it says I love that I get to narrate Star Wars audiobooks and I love every story I get to perform but I have to say as a massive fan of the Jedi and everything that they represent this book was something special Charles Soule masterfully tells a compelling story I love the way the Jedi and the Force are portrayed it was a huge honor to get to do this one and I cannot wait to see what happens next Mm. Uh, which is super cool um, we'll read you just a little intro here, um, to the High Republic. This is at the beginning of the comic and it was at the beginning of Light of the Jedi as well. Mm-hmm. That little pre, I think it's probably going to be at the beginning of, uh, all the stuff that we're getting right now, just right. as I think this is the pace setter yeah, uh, for what we're expecting. And I think what, I think it's easy to get lost, especially in the little stories, but they're saying that it's supposed to be a meta narrative. And I think that that's what this is. Mm. You know, this is the the main vein of ideology that they kind of want to focus in um, what the Jedi are kind of looking at. And I think what um, the authors overall, this is the main point that they're driving towards. Right. Uh, so if you are the one thing that we have finished is the first um, we've read the first um, what do you want to call it? episode? What do they call those things? The first the first issue issue. Thank you, God. The first uh, yeah issue volume, whatever you want to call it. The first comic that's come out under the High Republic banner. Um, on the cover, you've got um, <clears throat> what's her face, Creve, uh, and then she's flanked by uh, Avar Chris. Sorry, and... I think her name is Trinis. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. It's not Keeve. It might be Keeve Trinis. Uh, Avar Chris called her Padawan Crinus. Oh, that's probably her last name. Yeah. Um, and then... Or uh, Trinus, sorry. Creve Trinus. Yeah. Yeah, Creve is her first name. And then Avar Chris is the, um, to her left, your right is the reader. And then Skir. Yeah. The Trandoshan Jedi. The thing that I'm probably the most excited about as far as Jedi Masters go in this, it's cool to see Yoda younger. Um, but I am looking the most forward to how does a Trandoshan be a Jedi? And we're going to find out. Apparently very well so far. Yeah, he is a master. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you plan on reading the comic and you don't want to know what happens in the first issue, it is out. Um, but that's kind of what we're jumping into, at least the first part of this episode. And then we'll go from there as to what we expect to see in the future and just how it feels compared to other recent comics and in this era of star wars so this is your warning um i'm going to read the little intro this is at the beginning like i said of the novel the light of the jedi and it's at the first issue of the high republic comic by kevin scott who is the author of the dooku jedi lost um audio script mm. Um, and he's actually yeah, worth reading for sure. Yeah. He, he, I think is more of a comics guy naturally. Um, so as our authorship goes, so it says the galaxy is at peace ruled by the glorious Republic and the protect or and protected by the noble and wise Jedi Knights as a symbol of all that is good. The Republic is about to launch starlight beacon into the far reaches of the outer rim. This new space station will serve as a ray of hope for all to see. But just as the as a magnificent renaissance spreads throughout the Republic, so does a frightening new adversary. Now the guardians of peace and justice must face a threat to themselves, the galaxy, and the force itself. And so that is the beginning of this issue. It's what's at the very beginning of the novel. And it really, it sets up a pretty... It's a pretty big ordeal that they have to get through if it is as terrible as they're making it sound. So I don't know. I don't know how much I want to get into what's going on in the book yet, but it seems like there's more. It's more. 
I don't know how to say it. It's not, there's not a certain bad person or whatever that's happening to the, to the characters. It's like, there's just things that are happening. Yeah. Well, and natural disasters and such. I mean, it's not just a natural disaster. It seems like it was instigated. Right. Um, but if it is intentional, what they've done, it's kind of crazy to conceptualize that somebody would be capable of doing it just because it's like, it seems like one in a trillion scenario what's going on. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because it's multiple one in a trillion scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> where we're at, okay. So how far the the farthest you're into the book does the comic feel like it lands after the book? The the comic's gonna be after the end of the book for sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I like that's kind of weird. I think they allude to it, like they talk about what happened in the Hetzal system and mm-hmm. how Avar Chris kind of landed the ship, so to speak. Uh, but I, I, um, I don't think it's going to be overlapped at all. It looks like it's going to be taking place after the book. And I think maybe as we move on in further issues, it's going to talk about um, what's going on with Master's gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it's very much like the Kylo Ren comic where they allude to things that happened earlier and then in the next... Mm. You know, in subsequent issues, it, it kind of does a flashback sort of thing. Right. It'll go back to, here's the cause of the effect that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting because right off the bat, you have um, the Jedi Padawan, uh, Keeve or Creeve. I think I left off an R on accident when I was writing the name. Um, but it's interesting because, yeah, Keeve. Okay. Uh, she's in the middle or towards the end of her Padawan training, mm-hmm. and um, she's basically been brought out to this random planet to, you know, do the trials, face the trials. I'm ready, Master. And um, Master Keeve is is <laughs> the one thing that was funny was that I guess the Padawan has a cursing problem, mm. and so he's he's saying, "Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a Jedi Knight, you need to watch your language." I thought that was silly. Um, but explain what you... I know earlier today you were talking to me and you said this feels the most like Legends material as far as Jedi are concerned that you've read since the Disney takeover. Explain yeah. explain what you mean. Well, I don't know. I'm most of the way through rereading uh, Heir to the Empire series. Uh-huh. Um, and... A lot of the stuff that's happening under Tim Zahn there is that he's kind of speculating about what might have happened, um, you know, because it was written before episodes one through three. So right. it's crazy to hear um, his description of the Clone Wars because mm-hmm. it's it's not really what happens. Yeah. But um, anyway, sorry, that was just random. But continue. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, for instance, there's like a cloning thing. Well, you interrupted me. What do you want from me, dog? You asked me a question, then you started talking again. Uh, there's, for instance, like Thrawn starts cloning folks. Like mm-hmm. he, the Empire's not in charge anymore, so they can't just do conscriptions. Right. Uh, so they have clones going on, and that's kind of like alluding to the Clone Wars, I think, and maybe the stuff that had gone on because Ben Kenobi talks about the Clone Wars in A New Hope. So we had the idea of kind of what happened before the original trilogy. Um but I think stuff like what we get in this first issue, right? Like we're talking about the Jedi trials and what that might look like or uh, how it was uh, planned by the master or how it was ordained by the force. Just little stuff like that. I don't feel like we've gotten a whole lot of that because uh, for the most part, new canon has been focused on the sequel trilogy and those characters. And it's been so, uh, it's been like so focused on developing the characters themselves that I feel the aspects of the Force that were the most exciting for uh, Legends material uh, have been kind of neglected. Mm-hmm. Like, there is just stuff that Luke does in some of the sequel trilogy or um, aspects of powers or, you know, what their purpose is or how they're guided by the Force. That kind of stuff just kind of seems a little bit left behind. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's interesting because um, the the Star Wars that we've seen as far as episodes one through nine are the worst in the grand scheme of things. They're the worst Jedi that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. When you look at this is the high Republic. So this is supposed to be the height of the Jedi and their power and their ability. Um, but 
episodes one through three, you know, in episode eight, Luke talks multiple times about their hubris and how flawed they were and how they saw themselves as greater than they could have been. And they allowed Palpatine to rise to power and Darth Sidious to take over and stuff like that. Um, and then in the original trilogy, we don't really get to see a Jedi until Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, and even still, he's the greatest Jedi that we get to see in the original trilogy as far as his abilities and whatnot. Um, but partially because of the physical Earth time that those movies were shot in and because of the development of the story of what the Force is and stuff hadn't really taken full effect yet. And then by the sequel trilogy, you know, if Heir to the Empire had been the sequel trilogy, we would see Luke do things that were, you know, more on par for the course. Um, but in episode seven, you see the Force awaken in Rey and everybody loses their crap that she can use the Force at all and is pissed off that she can, like, bring a lightsaber to herself or whatever. And then in episode eight, she's looking for training and for 99% of the movie, Luke doesn't want to train her. So she's just training herself and she's accidentally cutting rocks off and like smashing the village of those little fish nun ladies and then you've got episode nine i guess you get to see palpatine do some stuff but as far as material that really is an expose of what the jedi should be capable of mm -hmm. um we haven't really seen it since yeah. especially since disney has bought star wars um they're very obviously disney is a money-making business mm -hmm. and so they're like Okay, Clone Wars sells. Let's do more Clone Wars things. Okay, let's do... You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. they really... And then Rogue One didn't have any Force users besides Vader. Solo didn't have any Force users besides Maul. Um, so it's it's very interesting. They've kind of stayed away from the Force for the most part, even though one of the movies is called The Force Awakens. You don't really see that much Force using going on mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then you have a huge character in Snoke that's supposed to be like... Oh my god, this guy's next level. He's been around since the Clone Wars. He's seen the rise and the fall of the Empire. This guy really knows what's going on. And then he got the short end of the stick in episode 8. So, I don't know. It feels weird because I feel like when you have a Snoke character, they just gets killed off. And then you have Palpatine, who it's like, now this is power. Pulling the strings for 30 years after you're dead, and this, and this, and this. And everybody's mad about that. So it feels weird that we really haven't gotten a, a chance to see what the Force is capable of in the last, you know, coming up on 10 years since Lucasfilm was bought out. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's not just, like, the Force itself, but it's kind of like an exposition of what the Jedi were meant to be mm -hmm. um, and the way that the Jedi work together with the Republic kind of in tandem. Um, so far from what I've seen, it's less about uh, the Republic basically just ordering the Jedi around and the Jedi kind of sacrificing their um, ideas to go after whatever the Republic wants for whatever reason, like we're seeing in the Clone Wars, you know what I mean, where they sacrifice their role as peacekeepers to be generals. Right. Um, you have more of what it looks like to work together, where um, there is a Republic ship that there's an admiral in charge of, and he knows that the Jedi Master is better suited for this particular mission, and so he defers to her. And he knows that whatever she says is going to be true, or um, there isn't, like, the infighting or squabbling where, uh, like, for instance, when we see Tarkin with the Jedi, and he's constantly just questioning the Jedi because they don't have the same worldview. Yeah. Like, uh, you see the Admiral, and he says, well, if you say blah, 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 then that's what the case is, you know, and he doesn't mm -hmm. have any roof or proof for it, but he just trusts what she's saying. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really see that. You know what I mean? It's just constantly infighting, constantly um, bickering, constantly... I don't know, I just don't like the idea of um, heroes being the type of person to think that only they can be right. I think that's why I really like DJ, you know, uh, from The Last Jedi, is because he's like the only person in the whole <laughs> new trilogy that's just going to be like, yep, maybe. You know, mm -hmm. I, maybe I messed up. Maybe, maybe I made the wrong play. I mean, like, I'm doing it, but yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I like more of that. I like um, the willingness to defer to other people sometimes. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm just really enjoying that. I'm enjoying uh, watching the Jedi being guided by the Force in you know, not like the way that, um, for instance, when 
Obi-Wan says about Anakin in uh, Revenge of the Sith. He's like, he is the chosen, wasn't he? And uh, Yoda says, he's, you know, he's like now the DJ character where he says, you know, a, a prophecy that misinterpreted may have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's just that the downfall of the Jedi that we see in one through three is that they assume certain things are true and everything about the force has to fit inside of those things as opposed to uh, listening to the force and being guided by the force and allowing that to kind of direct the way that you move. You know what I mean? We see a lot of that in this book so far. Yeah. And there's a, in the prequels, there's like a, there's a mistrust even within the Jedi for the Jedi, Mm -hmm. you know, like you think about, you know, like I said, I'm only a couple of chapters in, but with what, what you're describing where there's this, um, even in this comic where there's a Padawan and she sees a task ahead of her and it seems like it's insurmountable and, and she says, well, if my master brought me here, then he must believe that I can do it, which means the force guided him this way. Like everything is as the force wills it. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's very, if you think about it, this is so strange to say, but in the whole, you know, not counting Luke from the Mandalorian, uh, in the whole grand scheme of Star Wars movies and things, Chirrut is like the most purest Jedi, you know, maybe Qui-Gon, but not that Chirrut's a Jedi, but, you know, he has no fear. All it says the Force wills it. And um, it's interesting because at the end of the day, like him or hate him or don't care or think that bringing him back was a mistake, uh, all that this mega story is going to do is just to show me how bad to the bone Chief Palpatine is. Because if he can take these dudes who are like in their prime uh, and puts a shroud over the Jedi in the prequels that is so strong that they need that they say maybe it's time we tell the Senate that our ability to use the Force is diminished. I don't know. It's pretty. Everything points to Sheev in my book as far as just his ability to to deceive and his ability to lessen their touch. It's crazy because. Um, you know, you were saying down the road in the book that you're impressed with some of their abilities and you're impressed with some of the things that they can do. And uh, it's not like the force got weaker. It's not like the, you know, you have someone like Anakin who his midi-chlorian count is the highest we've ever seen, you mm-hmm. know? So it's not like the natural ability or natural talent has gotten worse. It's literally that he, that Palpatine has bottlenecked their connection to the force with the shroud of the dark side. Yeah. And so I'm very interested to see what they can do and will, you know, my, I guess my question is long-term. I mean, there's, there's already two books in a comic out and the comic is going to, I don't, they don't have like a, it's not a mini series or anything. So I'm sure they'll have issues and issues of it once a month. And, uh, and a secondary comic series is coming out and then there's going to be more novels. Um, the, I want to say, I can't remember if it's called Test of Courage, is the Justina Ireland one that just came out um, the same day as Light of the Jedi, but it's uh, it's for younger readers. Yeah, Test of Courage. Um, and then there's going to be more young adults and more young readers and more, like, it's probably going to be end up being a, you know, a 20-book thing, not yeah. including the comics. Well, and I think um, part of that is that so much Star Wars material is books only that people are missing out on. I think this might be a drive to try to get people into that side of Star Wars. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they have this whole, um, they're calling it like a mega story, right? Yeah. Or something like that, meta narrative, something like that. But like a big story where um, it's the whole new exploration of an era of Star Wars that we've never seen. Yeah. You know, it basically went from uh, the Old Republic to the prequels era, and there was pretty much nothing in between unless you, you know, look at the Plagueis novel. But uh, this is going to be a whole new era of Star Wars. It's going to be a whole new storyline, and you're only going to get it if you read the books, if you read the comics. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good push in between. Um, and publishing is so much easier to do and stay on track with in today's world with the pandemic and all that stuff than shows uh you know live action tv and even even cartoons like you have to have a studio of people that are working together and so um this type of thing is something that everyone can do kind of from afar and i think it'll stay on track uh it says a new era of star wars storytelling 
um, centuries before the Skywalker saga. And what we've been trying to get to is it says something like a mega story across multiple platforms, an interconnected mega story. That's the concept. Um, it's pretty interesting. And I, I do wonder if, um, you know, some of those new shows that have been coming out or been not coming out, but announced, uh, the one that probably stood out the most to me specifically, other than Mandalorian and Boba Fett getting his own thing. We didn't know about Boba Fett when they did the big announcement because they're waiting to show it at the end of Mandalorian season finale. But um, The Acolyte, which is um, it's someone that they say is about 100 years before The Phantom Menace, right at the tail end of the High Republic, who uncovers new dark side abilities. And my question is, not that all these stories lead to that story, but is that kind of the end cap of this line of tales? I mean, it's this is 200 years before. The Acolyte is 100 years before. But it does seem like the Acolyte may be the beginning of the fall of the Jedi as far as their ability to use the Force and stuff. Because it, I guess my curiosity is, when did that gradually begin? Because by the Phantom Menace... They already, there's already infighting, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess, I don't know if it's maybe just my biblical mind thinking this way, but to me, the infighting and the strife within the Jedi, to me, would be part of the tool, part of the plan that Sidious and Plagueis would put out there to to bring the Jedi down. Yeah, well, and I don't think it's necessarily that um, the Jedi became weaker fighters or weaker force users in the aspect of being able to live in or lift an X-Wing out of the swamp. Uh, I think it's that the main strength of the Jedi is harmony and ability to see the will of the Force. I think those are the things that Palpatine kind of takes away. Mm. We have a a concept that I think is really cool where there's basically a a larger starship that Avar Chris is kind of in charge of. Uh, for a lot of the book called The Third Horizon. Mm-hmm. And from The Third Horizon deploy a bunch of uh, miniature fighters that are like one or two person, depending on if it's just a Jedi Master, Jedi Knight, or, you know, a Master and his Padawan uh, called Vectors. And right. they all kind of work individually, but they all work in tandem. Uh, Avar Chris, one of her abilities is battle meditation. They don't call it that, but that's essentially what it is. And it's just um, their ability to act quickly to uh, move together basically at impossible speeds with impossible coordination. Mm. Um, That's very interesting because in back in the day, that was a dark side ability. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. If you read, uh, I think it's rule of two, there's the Ithorian Jedi master, which we have in this book as well, mm. uh, who his, his strength was battle meditation. That's the only reason that uh, the Jedi that went to that uh, deep core world were able to fight against Bane and Xana. Hmm. Or because they had that Ithorian who was kind of giving him strength. Yeah. I guess that's true that in, in Legends material, one of the things that was a negative was that things could be labeled one way or the other. In the Heir to the Empire series, when when Jeruus Sabaoth is, uh, he's doing kind of a battle meld. Mm-hmm. And I guess battle meditation and battle meld maybe not be the same thing, but they made, they made it sound like it was a dark Jedi thing for him to... Um, it's something that Jason Solo learns. Yeah, I, I guess fall. it just depends on intent. I guess it's one thing if um, it's one thing if you're a group and it's kind of like a group prayer and we're all holding hands, you know. Versus, uh, I think that Jeruus and Jason Solo slash Darth Cadus. I think that part of it may be that it's a invasion of the mind, if you will. Yeah, and I think the difference is that it's basically her lending her strength. Um, I think she has the ability to kind of see the bigger picture of the Force. Like we see in the comics, she talks about the song of the Force and how she sees different parts in it or hears different parts in it. And uh, she'll be able to see, you know, there was a part missing and that drew her focus to it. Uh And she kind of found a solution through that. but I think it's like her lending her strength and um, just like, it sounds stupid, but like emotional support, you know what I mean? That they, they wouldn't, you know, be afraid because they know they're in it together for better or worse. Right. Um, there's a cool line. It's like, you know, when it 
they're in it together, lose it, they're in it together. But no matter what, you know, they've got each other. Mm. Um, that they're going to go in there, they're going to do their best. It was. It speaks a lot to the strength of their group. Um, just in the comic, about halfway through the first issue, uh, you meet Grandmasters mm-hmm. Yoda and Viter, or however you want to pronounce it. Uh, so it's very interesting that there are two grandmasters. Two grandmasters. Yeah, I've never seen that before. Which I guess I don't know. I've always heard that Mace was the grandmaster in Episode One, and it switched to Yoda in Two and Three. No, I don't think that's the case. But I've always thought it was just Yoda the whole time. Yeah, who told you that? I read it somewhere. I can't remember. I think they're wrong. <laughs> Call them. Uh, uh, there's not really any evidence anywhere to support that that I've read or watched or heard um, because it's pretty much just Yoda large and in charge always. Yeah. Yeah. Large in the force. Yeah. Yeah. We got that. And then uh, what do you think about the starlight beacon? I mean, they're kind of making a big deal about it, but I haven't there. It says it functions as hope, but what what does it function as besides hope? Okay, so my... I mean, mean, like, because it kind of hints about it in the comics that it's, like, a navigation thing or a symbolic thing, but what does it do? It's like quantum physics. Like, what does it do? You know what I mean? Nobody knows. my understanding is that it's... um, At the very, very beginning of The Light of the Jedi, it talks about the city planet of Coruscant and how it's, like, the center of you know the known universe and it's so powerful and beautiful and and then the further you get you have the mid rim and then it says uh it says that to the edges of their known space known as the outer rim and their i guess their goal is um to unify and to bring a family feeling and to bring like you know unity throughout all three bands mm. uh because inner inner rim mid rim and outer rim for as long as we've known star wars it's very distinctive mm-hmm. and it's like you're outer rim trash as we talked about a bunch of times where in the tarkin novel it's like they're like all right triple fist bump outer rim bros you know yeah. naboo and tatooine and that which is interesting because naboo for being outer rim seems very elitist i think it's mostly internalized though you know what i mean it seems like um for instance, in Plagueis Palpatine's dad, he just sees himself as uh, like better than everybody else in Naboo specifically, or that um, they have that rich deposit of plasma yeah. that could make him more prominent. And he's like, nah, nah, Naboo for Naboo. Get yeah. out of here with that yeah, that's freaking true. Republic trash. Um, so it seems like to me that it's... Okay, so when America was founded, everything was basically far northeast. You know, mm-hmm. like that's where that's where freaking everything was. And then as things as time, you know, went on, people started moving, you know, way out west, way out west, like Fifel. Um and uh you guessed it, Green Next Stop River Green River. Um <laughs> I'm a good looking spider, no. Uh so You know in the in the third Fifel movie they they played that off as like that that was a dream that's how they explain him being back in new york oh he wakes up huh? yeah he wakes yeah, up yeah you're right i hate that that's the best one for sure five yeah, goes easily west. the best one rank them although how many are there four four all right so there's the american tale there's american tale there's five goes west there is the treasure of manhattan island and there is the mystery of the night monster <laughs> that's correct <laughs> So I'm going to go two, three, one, four. Yeah, I agree. It's like two, three, one, and four. Mystery of the Night Monster is kind of garbage. I only ever saw the first two. Though we did get a nice, like, extra heaping slice of rigatoni Tony for the Mystery of the Night Monster. (laughs) Dude, do you like Tony? Yeah, I think he's funny. Tony to Pony. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I care for him. He's kind of annoying. But you do get a lot of tiger. You do get a lot cool. of tiger. I think you get a lot of tiger in the treasure. And you Manhattan get the Island. facts. The facts. <clears throat> I like that uh 
the double crosser's name is Scuttlebutt. I think that's funny. Scuttlebutt's a funny word. Yeah, that's from the hey third guys. movie. Hey guys, what's the what's the scuttlebutt? What's the scuttlebutt? What's the scuttlebutt? Scuttlebutt is from Mr. Uh, the Treasure of Manhattan Island. Yeah, I know that's why I said that I like that one. You remember whenever they find that secret Native American mice place and um and all the booby traps. That's where I learned the word booby trap from that movie. <laughs> Um. There. Well, there's. I remember watching it for the first time. I was like, "Oh, he said booby." Yeah, I, I think th- I thought that too. I was like, "Booby trap? Are we allowed to say that?" Booby um, trap. <laughs> bro, guess how old Mace Windu was? I get away was? with saying it as much as I want. Booby trap, because it's okay, because it's a booby trap. <laughs> they always are. Ah. Uh, do you remember when um when Scuttlebutt, that huge, huge Indian mouse likes him yeah 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 and she's like my i can't remember what she says i don't remember what she calls him either but she's got the hots for scuddy buddy <laughs> scuddy buddy scutter butters <laughs> the Dude, best this segment's gonna be so boring for anybody who hasn't seen the american tale <laughs> if you haven't seen american tale what do you mean to do you they know? were all on netflix in like 2015 and i watched them all for forever dude uh treasure of manhattan island I don't know if they're still when i was there. a kid used to be like the What's movie off, jamie uh it's definitely can you it's see on, what it's on hbo American max Tales i think are on netflix well no what were we saying um they used to be the movie i would watch when i was going to bed like when i was a kid oh okay i was like and as I a married w- man i would wake up <laughs> and be like rewind play dude the worst part about my vhs player was that it got really shrill towards the front of the movie. <laughs> so it would just be like normal and then it would get to the front and be like, yeah! They have American Tale on Netflix. Just the regular one? That's, I'm looking. Never oh, say snap. never. That's funny. That's a song. Did you know that Mace Windu was born 72 years before the Battle of Yavin? So he was like 50? Yep. When he died, yeah. Let's see. Okay, listen to this. Dang it. Just the American Tale. That one's okay. Okay. I'm surprised it was good enough to get a sequel, but I'm glad. Mace Windu was a male Koran human Jedi, which I don't know what that means. The secret weapon. Uh, (laughs) Of legendary status, who was the master. who's the male Koran Jedi? Mace Windu. He's not Koran. K-O-R-U-N. Oh, I thought you were saying, like. Not Koran, like, not the balls neck guys. Testy situation, you say. Uh, um, who was the master of the order in the days leading up to the Battle of Geonosis, after which he gave the title to Grandmaster Yoda. Is that Legends? Nope, it's canon. That's stupid. That means Yoda gave it to him first. Oh, hang on a second. Why did he go to Legends first? I'm sorry. Wow. I dropped the ball, Look, guys. who knows what who knows. That's why I was so surprised. Yeah, that's why I'm so confused. That's <laughs> Jimmy him or Jimmy me. Okay, it says he once served as elected leader of the Jedi. Well, there's your problem. <laughs> oh my god, that's so Letting funny. all the little so-and-sos have their say. <laughs> the will of the force. Grandmaster Jedi Yoda. Yoda looks spry, bro. He looks like he's using that cane just because he can. Oh, yeah. He's been used in that thick and luscious shampoo. He's still got a full head of hair. Look at that. And here's at least 57 strands. As opposed to, like, the little wisp he's got going on in freaking Jedi. Rest. 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 When I, surf, when I first saw Grandmaster Veter, I thought that it was... I thought it was the snake beard guy. I thought it was bearded snake man Oporancissus. And he didn't have, like, a back problem yet. So he was like, slither, slither, slither. Like, just, you know, runway slithering. I think some of my favorite things about the comics was seeing him do some cool stuff. Dude, his hands are disgusting. Oh, yeah, they're gross. You ever see He looks videos? like that guy that's in the Guinness Book of World Records. They've got, like, the world's longest hair, the world's longest fingernails. Oh. And it's, like, 18 fruit by the foots taped together <laughs> and then stuck on somebody's hands. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? They're just just like eternally coiled up. It's so gross. And the the color is like they just put their hands in the streets of 1774 (laughs) London and someone just pooped on them. 
And they're like, yeah, yeah, this it's is It's like, like they just finished touring India and they just had their hands down by their sides the whole time. <laughs> just dragging through this dream. Yeah, let me check our SoundCloud statistics. All right, no more Indian fans. <laughs> hey, they'll know better than anyone how accurate that description is. It's right. <laughs> Lollipop chicken. Lollipop chicken. Crap your pan sandwich. <laughs> Butter toast sandwich sandwich. Okay, so before you think we're just terrible, I went on a missions trip <laughs> to India, and... um. This episode started to fall apart around the 27-minute mark. <laughs> we, we didn't have as much stuff to talk about as we thought, but we'll entertain you. Uh, I went on a missions trip to India, and on the way back, we stopped at this restaurant, and um, there was two menus. There was the Indian cuisine and the American cuisine. And the folks that lived there were like, no, 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 no. Let us give you American cuisine, because they wanted to impress Americans with how good their American food was. And it was the tail end of my journey, and I let them because I had had Indian food the entire time. And so I'm like, sure, give me that, you know, give me that menu. And I'm thinking I'm going to see like pizza, burger. It's funny when you go to a restaurant in America, it's like we only do wings. Mm -hmm. We only do this. When you go to another country, they're like, oh, you're American, huh? Here's our American Here's menu. our lasagna burger. <laughs> you can have lasagna. You can have a burger. You can have a chicken nugget or a corn dog or sushi. Like they just put anything that Americans eat on there. And so, um, I kid you not, there was there was lollipop chicken, which actually is a really cool thing where they they take a a drumstick uh, wing and they put all the meat at one end and then they cook it. So when you eat the 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 wing, you just grab the end of the bone and you pop it in your mouth like a lollipop, and then you just and that's all the meat. Pretty cool. So I was like, oh, lollipop chicken's pretty good. And then it said sandwiches. And I was like, oh, a sandwich. I haven't had a sandwich in, you know, three weeks. And it said, it said, it said, butter toast. Butter toast sandwich. No, no, no. Butter toast. And then underneath that was butter toast sandwich. So one of them, I guess, was just a buttered toast and the other one was two butter toast put together i was in uh i was in israel in 2015 <laughs> we'd spent most of our time in jerusalem or bethlehem which they're right next to each other i don't know if you realize that it's like literally just the other side of the wall is bethlehem but we were driving back to Tel Aviv, which is where the airport is. It's funny. The next time you see a Christmas play, you're like, it wasn't that far. Yeah, it wasn't that far. That was like, <laughs> that was like a 15-minute donkey ride. Tops. <laughs> um, but there was an American restaurant on mm -hmm. the way. And it basically looked like the Star Cafe on the inside. It was just 1950s memorabilia and 27 Elvis statues. And all you could get was a hamburger because it was in Israel and the meat and the cheese they don't touch. Oh, <laughs> So you couldn't get a cheeseburger. It was just a hamburger, and it was dry. And I spent every penny I had on a double bacon cheeseburger the second I got back to America. Oh, I bet. It was great. Yeah. you If, if you've never been out of the country and you like, I can't believe you eat McDonald's. That's trash. That's to all you want. Literally anywhere else. And when you get back, you'll be like, give me that. McDouble, please. And you will kiss the ground outside of a McDonald's. That's all you want. That's the first thing I wanted was double bacon cheeseburger. Dude, I bet you that McDonald's makes 40% of their profit in foreign airports. <laughs> Where Freaking... Americans are like, oh, <laughs> a McNuggie. I'm holding onto the horns of the altar. <laughs> uh. Dude, it's like, no, sir, the McFlurry machine's broken. And then it just... Just like home. Just, he just cries a single tear. <laughs> you just, just see somebody, somebody in a red hat just shoves the person is like, I'm getting that McFlurry. <laughs> They're storming the Capitol. <laughs> for a McFlurry. <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. Oh. Uh, but no, for real, if you've ever seen Iron Man, when he comes back and he's got like a satchel full of cheeseburgers that is that is very accurate that is very accurate that is very accurate 
It doesn't matter. Mine was Burger King too. I don't even like Burger King, and I was eating it all. Yeah, Burger King's a big one. Um, if you're from, I'm sure if you're from California, getting that In and Out burger is probably a big deal. If you're from, yeah, I love Texas, some nice styrofoam fries. Yeah, nothing like a dude. The mm. burger is good for how cheap it is, but those fries suck. Yeah, the other day they're trash. The other day, my uh, Mike, they're my father-in-law, <laughs> Mike, my father-in-law, I he okay, so he grew. I up really in, liked the burgers. I did not like the fries. Grew up in Chicago, went to California for college, and then when I met, and then met a woman there and got trapped. Yeah, no. So uh, whenever he lived in. Uh, Texas, San Antonio specifically, mm-hmm. he would always tell me, "Yeah, I never thought I never knew what a good burger was until I got to Waterburger." And as a lifelong Texan, I'm like, "You're dadgum right, get your horse and get your Waterburger and get your cinnamon roll." So on this last trip when we were going back to the airport in California, mm-hmm. I I asked him. I said, so "He goes well, on the way back from the airport, I think I'm going to stop in and out." And I said, "Do you miss Waterburger?" And he goes, "Hmm." And I said, "Hang on a second. I said, so what's better?" In and out or Whataburger? And he goes, oh, in and out for sure. And I was like, oh, God, we lost you. <clears throat> we lost you. And he said, on the fries alone. And I was like, on the fries alone? That's the worst part. I if know. it was like, if you like uh, a nice economical burger. Yeah. You know, the burger, the burger that's an economy burger, that in and out burger. But those fries are like when you turn on the the fries are like that part of the Grinch where he's sitting back in his recliner and he just shoves glass into his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Am I just eating because I'm bored, dude? Uh, that but for real, the best burgers I've had one of them it's called Fat Guys Burgers and Fries. It is not cheap, it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but they are phenomenal. And then the other, if you ever make your way out to Hawaii, Bubba's Burgers. Bubba's Burgers. Fantastic. We butter your buns. That's what they say. Yeah, they've got a bunch of uh, racy slogans all over the walls. Yeah, like, we butter your buns. Or, um, is that your relish? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even finish it. Anyways, you know where I was going with that. But the High Republic, it's... Uh... Wait, so we never talked about Starlight Beacon very well. Okay, what does it do? Okay, so my thought is it, it shows some kind of safe navigational route to the Outer Rim so that you can safely get out there and start a new life. Okay. I got way off track. My thought was it was similar to the you Gold Rush. You said something about way out west, and that's where this whole thing started. <laughs> okay, so for real, for real. We've traced our steps. This is where we went wrong. We're fixing it. This is what I used to do when I was a kid and be like, why am I thinking this? And I would backtrack my mind. Uh, so, okay, when the gold rush happened, you know, and all the 49ers went and mm-hmm. they panned for gold, I think that I can't prove this. But my thought is, as a way of, um, okay, similar to Outbound Flight Project, where it was like, mm-hmm. we're going to take our civilization and our peace and our people and we're going to go yeah. out to the unknown regions. If I might interject real quick, a big slogan Whatever. right now is uh, we're all the Republic. Yeah. So there's this big push for unity under this Supreme Chancellor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that everybody says that when they're trying to muster strength and unity, they say we're all the Republic. Yeah. So I think that that might be where it's headed. Yeah. They're trying to unify and they're mm-hmm. trying to... You know, I mean, think about it. It's kind of like... Which we now realize is a mistake because once the Outer Rim got in there, everything went to... Well, it's interesting because obviously their attempts to unify and make everything one thing doesn't work mm-hmm. because in episode one, no, they won't. Republic credits don't do fine. Yeah. Uh, it is really funny though, Adam, at the, one of the very beginning chapters, there's, uh, there's a... Um, He's not the chancellor. He's like a leader of a small yeah, group or whatever. Yeah, he's the, uh, the uh, prime minister okay. of the Hetzal system. Prime minister of the Hetzal system. And there's this Mark. big thing coming in. And it's it's a big tragedy. I don't want to get into spoilers. But there's something <clears throat> inevitable that they need to act on that the leader's not acting on in time. Very similar to, you know, the whole, you know coronavirus <laughs> and when you're listening to it if you listen to the audiobook Mark Thompson? the chancellor's the chancellor's like so what's going on so what's the problem is this avoidable i was just waiting for him to be like i don't believe it fake news 
but he was a hundred percent doing a trump impression i'm gonna ask him it was pretty no you don't even have to i'm gonna go on the record as having (laughs) said that was a trump inspired voice it was funny because it was. I like, did like that they gave him a fair shake. That even if he was like disappointing, he was like, "Well, he worked on the information that he had at the time. It seemed like a good decision to, you know, scale back the police force or whatever because there was a time of peace. They could be spending the money on better things." Yeah, but we're still screwed. It was interesting because um, the first couple of chapters felt like when we were reading that Tauntaun story from a certain point of view, and I was like, yeah, "Oh, dude, okay, dude, so was- this guy's gonna die." What I wanted to do when it first came out, I had a, I'd had a busy day that day. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, I'm listening to two or three chapters and then I'm going to go to bed. And the first two chapters, it was like the Tauntaun story. I was like, what if every chapter is just like everybody dying? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how the first two ended. It was like, dead. All dead. Admiral Snack Bar. <laughs> it was really sad because. All dead. The second chapter. Talk, talk. I'm just going to tell the, what happens because it's two chapters in. And it's not super important. But um, you have the guy that works at basically the air traffic control. Mm-hmm. And he's just waiting for the clock to get off so he can oh, go yeah. see that He was sweet... way, way too wistful. I was like, all done. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I can't wait till my time is up so I can go see that hot Twi'lek at the bar I go to every night. And it was so sad because you're like, yeah, she probably doesn't like you. She's probably just nice to everybody. But then it, later it says... And somewhere on that planet, a Twi'lek bartender looked up, wondering where the guy that she was interested in was, or something like that. And I was like, oh, no, it really would have worked. And then they die. <laughs> hey, there's a, uh, a Jedi master. I forget what her name is. Maybe she's a, she's a Jedi knight. But okay. she's a Duros. Yeah. And it keeps talking about how she's green-skinned. Yeah, there are green-skinned Duros. Where? I've only ever seen blue. Show me. Are the are the girl uh, there, ones there's green? A, there's a picture of one either at the end of this comic or um somewhere. Interesting. I've only ever seen blue skin duros, mainly because you only see that one at the beginning of a new hope that's in uh the cantina and then obviously Cad Bane. Yeah. I think that Cad Bane is just such a cool nope. character. Nobody that's... makes me bleed my own blood. Bleeds blue, that was the giveaway. Well, also, that guy from Shriv from uh, Star Wars Battlefront. It's interesting. Okay, so the green is very... This is one. This is from the comics. His name is Mouse. Oh, okay. He looks like a... Uh, that look, I thought that was immune, I guess. Or a Nymoidian. Or a Nymoidian, yeah. But a lot of times their green is blue-green, like this. It's like turquoise. Yee. But anyways... Um, I was surprised <clears throat> that Cad Bane got his head inside the clone's helmet in the Clone Wars. Yeah, he's such a freaking brainiac. Hey, do you think that since um, since Cad Bane being killed by Boba Fett was in production but wasn't actually ever sent out, do you think that he will be in the book of Boba Fett or in Mandalorian? Um, it's hard for me to imagine that he's not dead before A New Hope just because of they made him such a prominent bounty hunter, like he was number one in the galaxy. Yeah, he would have been He's on the not bridge disappear the, without being dead. He would have been on the bridge with... Yeah, he would have been there. Vader. Um, also, I thought of a character Unless that Vader would be, was holding a grudge because he worked with Dooku. Right, could be. Your baby is ugly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I did think it was interesting that um, I thought of a cool... I saw something and I was like, oh, that would be cool. Um... Here's a character that was a huge hater on the Mandalorians mm-hmm. who was going to be brought into canon, but it would be too much money to animate him, so they created Cad Bane instead, but it leaves the door wide open for him to be around now, is Dirge. Mm. I'd love to see him. I mean, theoretically, he's still alive, <clears throat> if he exists at all. I, I don't think he's canon confirmed. That's what I'm saying, is that... Yeah. If they wanted to bring a super OP character around... That would be a super cool new villain, especially as much as he hates the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're trying to come back. Maybe he doesn't want it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool to see Dirge back on. Dude, because the budget... The thing was, the budget was a little... You know, they want to stay within the budget mm-hmm. for Clone Wars. And he was going to be a, an antagonist. And they thought, hey, here's... We have... Here's the opportunity. We bring in Dirge, which is going to be really expensive to animate because he's so large, or we create a new character, and that's how Cad Bane was born, Mm -hmm. which kind of plays into how I feel about canon and legends, where it's like, 
Or you could write a new character. Because it's not like Dirge doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we get a memory wipe. So, but now that the budget's like billions of dollars mm-hmm. because of Disney, it would be cool to see him brought into something. I'd like Bad it. Batch even. That'd be sick. I'd like to see him more in Mando. <clears throat> to see a, a live action Dirge would be freaking Oh dope. my god. Live action dirge would be sick. Yeah. Live action like to dirge the, versus Luke. I'd like to see the studio version of that as well. You know, like you if you okay, so if you ever watched uh, Deadpool when they're behind the scenes on that, uh, the guy that's playing Colossus mm-hmm. is basically wearing like a headgear and it's a head mounted on a pole that's like a foot above his head, so people know where to talk to it for the animation. So, yeah, a pioneer. Speaking of pioneers, <clears throat> I'm a little bit worried about who they're going to cast as Thrawn. Yeah. Um, because I've been hearing whispers, because I know Adam sent it to us last night, but I'd heard it a couple days before that, that some people... Now, the good thing is, the website that I saw this on was We Got This Covered, and they are not dependable. So, it's cool, because I'm sure they make, you know decent views and clicks and stuff putting stuff out there that's kind of ridiculous but as far as things that i've heard from them i've never seen almost anything come to pass but they were saying that robert downey jr is in talks to play grand admiral thron i don't want it imagine i love rdj i don't want it no yeah i love both of the characters but not for each other it's like when you have two friends that you love but if they start dating you're like what are y'all doing dude you remind me of uh we were playing Warzone the other day, and somebody kept talking about like what their character wanted, and so making fun of them the rest of the night would be like, "Yeah, my character said to shut up." <laughs> like we would just talk about like our thoughts or what we wanted, just but we would put it on the character. So they wouldn't say like, "Hey, I'm out of ammo." They'd be like, "Hey, my character, blah blah blah," and I was like, "Your character?" So that was just a funny, the boulder, a funny shtick that we did. Yeah, so I just can see like. You know, at the beginning of every episode, we have Mark Thompson has so graciously supplied us with that Thrawn quote. Imagine freaking Robert Downey Jr. Uh, to defeat an enemy, uh, you must know them and not just their battle tactics, but their history and philosophy and art. You know who he would do justice? Eh? Lando? Eli Vanto. Staying Animal with Thrawn. Dying Animal with Thrawn. Hey, he would be a cool... I would like, love to see him as Eli Vanto. I would be okay with him as, like, Captain Pelion or something like that. That'd be like a that. cool Captain Pelion. Swagged out Pelion. Yeah. Uh, hey, Pelion, like, in the latter days, straight thug. Mm-hmm. Also cool that he went with the New Republic once the Empire fell apart. Yep. There's something I want to tell you, but I can't. It's okay. Um, it's in the stories. It's in the... You're reading it. Um, but, dude, him as a... Oh, my God. What if they casted him as Rook? It was like a flashback. <laughs> Robert Denny Jr. is like... <sighs> <laughs> if you don't know who we're talking about, in the books and in Star Wars Rebels... <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool that they Thrawn has a Yeah, Thrawn has a henchman, uh, a species called the Nogri, and it's basically just like a small gray crocodile... <laughs> Imagine that's how Mark Thompson reads them. You called Robert Downey Jr. I'm just a dude. Disguise is another dude. <laughs> um, oh man, I'm excited to. Uh, so when we were reading this comic today, uh, we were trying to read it together and put it on the screen. I tried to was... do a screencast, but I've got a Fire Stick enabled TV, and there's no good way to do it. And I downloaded a free app, which was a mistake because every 25 seconds it take a 10 second just to let me know that I could buy the full version. And I was like, you're not getting anything from me. Did you also way. notice that they on purpose made the cast grainy? Yeah. So I... you could get a clear cast if you bought the real one. What a bunch of bums. Anyways, uh, so Jedi Master Skier is a Trandoshan. Mm-hmm. And if you were wondering if Samuel reads his lines in his Bosque voice, the answer is yes. There's no other way to do it. <laughs> he was reading them out loud and he was like, so... That's the only. That's the only line I was reading out yeah, loud. Yeah, I was there for it. Just I just liked one. it. 
I just want I wanted the fans to have the pleasure of knowing. Mm. Um, but the the higher public is a very interesting thing, and you know what you have said, it feels the most like Legends. There's another friend of mine that said it feels the most like Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, another friend of mine said it's their favorite Star Wars book since Disney took over. I just like to see. I'm in. Re- I'm really enjoying seeing what the Jedi were meant to be, what they were idealized to be, what I believe they were. Until everybody's like, you know what? We need bad heroes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like it when my heroes stay my heroes. Mm-hmm. Some Foo Fighters. There they go. Um, yeah, it's, I think that, yeah, all the way spent, down to Hetzal. Now that, now that, uh, the rooted and fruited moon. That's right. Now that we're seeing how good and pure they were of heart and stuff, it's, it makes me a little sad that Sorry about your salvation and stuff. everything that we've had so far has just been kind of like, <laughs> it's just been crappy Jedis, you know? Yeah. Except for Kid Fisto. He was always. Except for Kit Fisto, it's also cool that there is a, a Nautilin character mm-hmm. in the High Republic. Yeah, very cool stuff. I'm excited. And um, how many chapters are there? Have you checked? Mm-mm. I think there's probably like 40. There's probably a bunch because a it's shorter. a 13-hour audio book. I think I'm like three hours in and I'm 13 chapters in. Yeah. They're short chapters. It's like a Joe Schreiber book. It's interesting, though, because um, you're, as you're reading it, um skier hasn't come in yet but i'm interested to hear he's just mentioned in passing mark thompson's skier voice yeah i'm here for it dude what if skier's not in this whole book it wouldn't surprise me because he's so prominent in the uh i think the only person that might make an appearance in all the books is going to be avar chris she seems to be the the bad mama jamma especially well, what about the wookie he's a padawan frick oh <laughs> So who's your favorite character so far, Avar Chris? She's pretty dope. There's a uh, a Twi'lek Jedi whose name escapes me at the moment, but I think he might be my favorite. Oh, blue skin. He's a uh, red skin, actually. He has to be a Sith. You know the rules. He's he's an elite. Oh snap! I don't I don't know if you guys know this, but in uh, Legends material, the red skin Twi'leks they were the most. Mm-hmm. They were the most uh, successful. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I'm excited. I'm excited for what this does for Star Wars. And um, for a long time, you know, especially after Revenge of the Sith, the books really, really carried, uh, you know, everything. So that's like, you know, 12 years or something like that until The Force Awakens came out. I guess Mm -hmm. 10 years. Um, But to get like the Darth Bane novels and stuff like that. I remember when Legacy of the Force novels were coming out, I was like at Barnes & Noble and like, all right, open up, give it to me. And I was ready to, I can remember going on vacation when, you know, the next book came out and being like, can we please, please go to Boris Books so I can get the next legacy of the fourth novel? Um, so it's cool to have, you know, there's Man, really. R.I.P. Borders Bookstores. Yeah. They had a good thing going. Dude, they used to save me so much grief when mom would be at Whole Foods for 17 hours. Bro, why a, were those trips so long? I don't know, but there's a Borders bookstore across the street, and I was okay with it. Yeah, that's when I found out about the encyclopedia of Star Wars characters, mm. and I'd be like, A, and I would just read those characters' bios. And then I got to Boba Fett, and I was like, oh, mama. And it's like three pages long, and it comes with cool pictures and stuff. That's when I found out who Borsk Falia was, and I thought, oh, I thought Bothans were supposed to be cool. These guys are screw that giant guy. douchebag. That guy's a wiener. A wiener class A. <laughs> in his stupid purple eyes. My name's Borsk Falia, and I'm selfish and narcissistic. But I'm also invisible, so my friends keep me around. Hate him. He does some good things at the end. He's the reason that the Jedi fell. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny if at the end of the High Republic, they're like, something's wrong. And it's like, hi, I'm Borsk. <laughs> it's like freaking Dragon Ball Z, like somewhere in the galaxy, Borsk Falia is born. It's like when Broly was born. Something's wrong. Green oh. lightning, what's happening? It's Borsk. <laughs> yeah. Rips himself out of the test tube, bigger than all the other <laughs> test tube babies. Kills his father with one hand. I look like a wildebeest. Screw that guy. He's a pretty tool. Pretty tooly. Yeah, he sucks. Anyway, 
I think that's all we've got for now. Yeah, it's good stuff, but... Um, I'll be done with the book by next week for sure. Yeah, I think that we'll both be done with the book by next week. Maybe we can give you a full review. Full review. But if you have any questions, please comment on this video, like the video, subscribe to the channel, share it. And uh, hey, you guys are really freaking slacking on the iTunes reviews. <laughs> we haven't had one since October. Wow. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you leave us a five-star rating and write a review, we will read it on the air. And you will become just as famous <laughs> as you always wanted to be. Because, of course, they'll hear your name. Reminds me of American Horror Story. One of the ghosts, she wanted to be famous. And then she found out she was, like, brutally murdered. And it was on the front page. And she's like, I did become somebody. That could <laughs> be you. Yeah. You could be slightly more famous than you were before. You know? Yep. So, anyways, leave us a review, tell your friends about us, and um, write to Lucasfilm. <laughs> tell them about us. But thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. May the Force be with you. And uh, remember, Starlight Beacon or not, the only family you have here is me. <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>